here's a little statement that you probably were taught by your mom uh, when you were younger. And we're going to put up here on the screen, I think. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but thank you. Biggest lie ever told, right? <laughs> Such a lie. I mean, the parents, as parents, we tell our kids this because of the psychology behind it. We're kind of like, hey, we want to protect you in any way that we can. You, you know, if you break a bone, it's going to hurt. But words, words, you don't have to let them hurt you. And what do we find as we get older? Words, they hurt. And in fact, they probably hurt worse than breaking a bone or injuring our bodies than anything else. See, that's what words do. Words shape us, right? We are who we are today in the present, and we will be who we are in the future based on the words that have been taught to us or or said to us. That's the power that words have. They shape who we are, and they shape who we become. Now, if we think about words for a moment, there's a, three things here I think we find with words. Words are not equally weighted. If I told you one negative word and one positive word, that, that doesn't negate or that doesn't equal out, does it? I mean, a, a negative word is powerful. Research has shown that for every negative word that we hear from someone, we need to hear seven positive words to make up for that negative word. I mean, that tells you the power of negative words. They found that in marriages where there has been divorce, what you will find is that there tends to be four negative words for every three positive words that are said. That tells you that word tank is pretty low there, which would make sense because if if the, the number is seven positive words for one negative word, I mean, that doesn't equal out. And so the words that we say, they're not equally weighted, but neither are the sources. The sources of words are not equally weighted too. I mean, it depends on who says those words to you. If you go to your office tomorrow and your boss tells you something and the receptionist tells you the exact same thing, who are you really going to listen to? You're going to listen to the boss, right? The receptionist may be amazing and great, but at the same time, the the power and the impact of the boss's words, man, they're so much more powerful than that of the receptionist. And moms, we love you. We're celebrating this day with you. And and your words are extremely powerful, but, but fathers, your words... They weigh so much heavier than that of the mom. See, the sources of words are not equally weighted. And then the recovery time from words spoken is not equally weighted too. When negative words are said, um, we can't apologize in that moment. Then all of a sudden that pain goes away, right? It, It lingers. It stays with us. There's recovery that has to happen. It's kind of like if at the end of the service today, I said, hey, come with me, and we're going to go out to your car, and I want you to open your door, and when you open your door, I'm like, hey, put your hand in the door jam there, and I'm going to slam the door on it, and then we open it up, and your hand's all mangled up and all crazy and stuff, and I'm like, I'm sorry. All of a sudden, that pain doesn't go away, does it? It takes time. You got to go to recovery. You probably have to go to e- the ER at that moment, and maybe they're going to put a cast on it, and, and there's probably physical therapy. There's so much there because there's recovery that has to happen. It's the same with words. There's a recovery time that has to happen when we hear words that, that impact us in a negative way within our lives. We don't heal quickly from those words. This series that we are in called Me and My Big Mouth, it is about the words that we use, the, the things that we say, and the impact that those words have on our lives and the lives of others. Last week as we began this series, we talked about James. We were looking at James chapter 1, 19 through 21, and there at the beginning, James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
And, and as we listen to those words, as we read those words, it's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And then again, James is writing to a, a church. He's writing to people who are followers of Christ. But we said last week, man, that's good advice for anybody to live in that way, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James kind of skips a little spaces here and throws out some other ideas in James. And then at the beginning of James chapter 3, and that's where we're going to spend our whole time this morning, we find that James comes back and is like, hey, let me, let me go back to those words again because I need to kind of expand on what I'm saying there. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to James chapter 3, starting with verse 1. There's Bibles in the seats in front of you. Feel free to use those. We'll put it up here on the screen. Uh, follow along on our Journey Church app. Man, if you don't have our Journey Church app, we try to put as much information on there as we can to keep you informed. Uh, since most of us are on our phones, you're not going to go to our website, which doesn't have a whole lot of information there, but our app has tons of stuff. Uh, you can sign up on, for, for events that are happening there. You can give through that. You can read the Bible. You can take notes. All kinds of things there. But um, you can follow along there. You can also follow along on your program today. But James 3, verse 1, here's what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. These words haunt me more than any other words in Scripture. (laughs) It's true. I mean, in my role as a pastor, I I understand the power of my words. And that's why I want to make sure what I'm talking about up here is actually right and true and and it needs to be where it is. Now, James is, is facing sort of a circumstance here within this church it's a brand new church thing, right? This is all new to them. Uh, it's this movement that's expanding and exponentially. People are just, they're becoming followers of Christ every single day. And so you have people like James and the apostles, and, and they're doing exactly what they've been told to do. They're teaching, they're preaching. Well, People are looking at that like, wow, I mean, everybody's kind of listening to them and following them. I want to do what they're doing. And so you have these people that are starting to teach, and they were like, hey, we want to teach. And James is like, well, you don't understand. If you do this, you're going to be judged more harshly than anyone else. I mean, there's sort of a, a caveat to doing this. And so he's, he's trying to tell people, persuade people that this isn't the direction you need to go. Unless you've been gifted to do this, you may want to think about another line of work. So he's kind of given this warning here. It's a warning that, for me, makes sense and is, uh, is very powerful. But then he continues on. He's talking specifically to these people who are thinking about becoming teachers and preachers. But then he says, let's just talk about everybody for a moment. Verse 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body unchecked. James says our words from our mouth, they are very powerful. And if we can learn to control our mouth, if we can learn to control our words, it will affect our whole body. And when we don't control what we say, guess what? It will affect our whole body too. So James is like, you've got to watch what you say. And then he says this in verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Oh, they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. He talks about the bits and the mouths of horses and the rudders of ships. Um, My oldest daughter rides horses, and every single time I say that, people are like, man, that's really expensive, every single time. (laughs) And then being a pastor, they're like, do we pay you too much? Because that's really expensive. (laughs) But then it's like, hey, you got new socks, Chad? I'm like, yeah. They're like, man, we must be paying you too much. You got new socks. Um, 
And so anyway, I'll just kind of tell you how this, we pay a little piece of it, we, she pays a little piece of it, our oldest Savannah, and then we have an outside financier who pays a big portion of it. So there you go. You don't have to give me that joke anymore. But anyway, it is expensive. Um, I, I don't ride horses. I, I don't care to ride horses. Um, they're large animals, and I don't really want to be around this large animal. But here's my daughter who's 17 years old, and she loves it. And the few times I've watched her actually put the, the bit in the mouth of the horse, I mean, the, the horse... They love it when you put the bit in their mouth, right? Now, they hate it. They're moving their heads all over the place. And again, I mean, the head's like this large, and this tongue is like this long, and they're trying to push it out. Because the horse knows once that bit goes in, they've lost total control. And here's my daughter, and she's not, I mean, she's, she's not muscular, but she's tall, right? And so she's pushing that bit in there, and she gets it in there. And, and at that point, the horse, the horse has lost all control, and now she's in control of the horse. And so here's... Here's James, and he's saying, hey, you know when they put the bit in the mouth of the horse? At, at that moment, here, you've got this little small piece of metal, but once you put it in the mouth of the horse, now you control the whole horse, this huge one-ton animal. And you can do whatever you want to with it. And it's funny to go watch a ride because you'll have these kids who are like this tall, and they're, 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 they're riding this big old horse everywhere he wants to go or everywhere they want it to go. So he talks about the bit in the mouth of the horse, and then he talks about the ship. Now, their ships then would not be comparable to our big ships today. Uh, and as I read that part, I was thinking about aircraft carriers and came across the USS Theodore Roosevelt. Maybe some of you in, in this room uh, have, have been on that ship before. I've gotten a little feedback from a couple of you to help me make sure my statistics were right here. But um, this ship is uh, 1,092 feet long, about the length as um, the same as the height of the Empire State Building. Uh, it weighs about 100,000 tons. Uh, there are four engines on this ship that push out about a million horsepower. And yet on this ship, you have two rudders. That's it. These rudders are 29 feet by 22 feet. Both of them weigh a piece 50 tons. Now, 50 tons, that's pretty heavy. But if you think about it, being able to move this 100,000 ton piece of metal that, that has a, a million horsepower, that's a small rudder doing a really, really big job. And so here's James is trying to explain the tongue. He says, look, it's like a bit in the mouth of a horse. It's like the rudder of a ship. And then he says this in verse 5. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It makes great boasts. I'm going to ask you to do something right now you've probably never done in church. You probably never will do again. Okay, so a little, little off the wall here. I want you to look at your neighbor. Maybe it's the person you know and you came with. And I want you to stick your tongue out then for a moment. <laughs> so if you've ever wanted to do this to your spouse, your kids, do that right now. Some of you are like, shut your mouth, please. <laughs> Let's think about the tongue for a moment. Some of you look, some of you close your eyes, some of you may gag, I don't know. Isn't it the ugliest thing you've ever seen? I mean, the tongue, compared to the rest of the body, it is so ugly. It's not like when you're in the dating world, you're like, man, I hope I find a guy with a nice, dreamy tongue. <laughs> I love cute tongues. I've never heard that. It's like, hey, I hope he has a nice face. He's got abs. You know, he's got a hairline that I can get along with. I mean, that's kind of stuff we look for, right? But we don't ever look at the tongue. And, and yet the tongue is so powerful as a part of our bodies. And James is reminding us of the power the tongue has. Now, we call the tongue the strongest muscle in the body. It's actually not the strongest muscle. You're not going to do like 50-pound curls with your tongue, okay? 
It's actually made up of eight muscles. There are eight muscles that kind of intertwine to make the tongues about four inches long. Um, and, and so it's a small part of our bodies. But, but I think part of the ability for it to, uh, we, the reason we call it the, the strongest muscle in the body, is it never gets tired, right? We can talk and talk and talk and talk. Now, I've never heard anybody say, my tongue is so tired, I can't say anything else. <laughs> it doesn't happen. We can go to the gym for 45 minutes an hour, we're like, I'm toast for the rest of the day. But our tongue... It's strong. It can continue to move. I mean, again, you got these eight muscles working together. And here's James that is reminding us the power of this little, ugly, nasty thing that we have in our mouth, the power that it has. He equates it with a bit in the mouth of a horse and the rudder of a ship and the power of the words that come out of our mouth. I mean, they affect us day to day. Our words affect our relationships, our intimacy, our interaction, our work, our health. The words that we speak, they affect everything in our lives, every single day that we live. James is like, that little thing that's in your mouth, it affects your whole body. And not only that, it goes beyond that. It affects the world around you. And he explains that in verse 5. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. James makes a pretty interesting uh, comparison here, talking about the power of the tongue. He says it's the same power as the spark that starts fires. Some of you may remember last year, last summer, I believe it was, there was the campfire out in California. Uh, it affected 153,000 plus acres, burnt down 19,000 structures, lasted about 17 days, and did $16.5 billion worth of damage. And sadly, 85 people lost their lives because of that fire. And this is a picture of that fire from a satellite. As we think about that, it started from a spark. Uh, that's what burnt all of this land. One spark started this massive fire. It was a spark that came off of a power line, began as a brush fire, and, and because of the wind and the dryness, it just expanded quickly and destroyed so much around it. Here's James in this moment, and he's talking about the power of a spark. And, and I think he uses this metaphor because the truth behind it you know it's not just a spark causes a big fire it's it's your tongue and one little thing that we say that can spark destruction in our relationships i, I mean it could it could tear up our marriages uh, it could it could end our careers he's saying that this is the power the tongue has that it's like a spark that starts a fire that we can scorch the earth around us from what we say and so it's important that we understand the power of the tongue. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but, but our bones heal, don't they? When we think about words, words get to a place of where they continue to be painful and they continue to hurt us. And, and it could take years, decades, maybe for some of us, even a lifetime. We just never get over the words that have spoken to us or about us or over us. And that's the power of words, and that's the power of our words on others, that what we say can spark a fire, that what we say can impact somebody's life until the day they die. 
And James is reminding us of that power. But, but here's the deal with that. Um, sometimes when we say those words, sometimes when those sparks fly out of our mouth, we try to make an excuse, right? We say things like, I was just joking, I was just being honest, I was mad, I was drunk, I didn't mean it. We treat it like it was an accident. But, but here's what we know um, when it comes to starting the fire. And most fires start by accidents. The, the fire there in California was an accident. You're still responsible for the fire. If we go back to California, if you were to go to Pacific uh, Gas and Electric and say, hey, did you guys mean to start this fire that destroyed all of these homes, destroyed all these structures, all these lands, all these families? I'm pretty sure they would say, no, we didn't mean to do that. But you know what? They're still responsible for the fire that, that, was, that came from that spark that happened. And in fact, the power behind that spark was, was so immense for them, they filed for bankruptcy back in January. We're responsible for that spark that we let out of our mouth. We're, we're responsible for the fire that comes. Now, it may have been an accident. It could have come out out of a, a sense of, of anger. It could have come out of a, a moment of weakness, but... Hey, it's out there. And the fire that may brew because of that spark that came from our mouth, in the end, we're responsible for it. And we can't sit around making excuses and say, I didn't mean to do that, or I was just being honest, or, you know, I was, I was drunk, or I was tired. We, we, can't, we can't go to those places. We have to be willing to understand that what we say has the power to affect lives. And again, like a spark that starts a fire. Which is why I think it's important to go back to what James talked about last week. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I mean, those words and, and, and kind of that um, rhythm that he has there, that path that he puts in front of us back in chapter 1, I think it's still true for this. That if we're quick to listen and slow to speak, those sparks, they're not going to shoot out of our mouth as much as maybe they used to. And so James says, this is what it looks like when we allow our mouth to take over. And then he says this in verse 7. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. For millennia, we have tamed and we have subdued animals. Right? I mean, we kind of got this animal kingdom figured out. Except maybe the apes, that we kind of know from prophetic voices that might be a problem in the future for us, all right? All right, we've got like six people who like Planet of the Apes. But anyway, um, <laughs> Planet of the Apes, go watch it, you don't understand. But anyway, um, but, but we, we've kind of got this thing figured out. We, we've kind of subdued, subdued the, the animal kingdom. Uh, animals attack, sharks attack, snakes attack, lions attack, kitty cats attack. I mean, all those are kind of in the same category for me. But these animals, they attack us. But here's the deal. We've kind of subdued them, too. We, we've tamed many of these animals. We've, we've got the animal kingdom figured out. And, and yet, here's James saying, we've got the animal kingdom figured out with wild animals, but we can't figure out how to tame our tongue. Like, we, we can't figure out how to subdue our tongue. We don't know how to control it. And, and I honestly think, as James writes this, I believe what he's saying is, in the end, the tongue is actually untamable. I, and I believe that. I believe the tongue is untamable. We can subdue, we can tame animals, but our tongue is such a powerful force in who we are that we can't tame it. 
The last week we talked about this research that was done that, that showed that you know, uh, humans say about 16,000 words every single day on average. Uh, and then the, the guy who did this research said he had his most economical speaker and his most verbose speakers. His most verbose speaker said 47,000 words every single day, which is crazy. And then there's this other guy, and he said only 500 words per day, right? And you're thinking, I bet he's tamed his tongue. And I would tell you, I bet he hasn't. Because you only got 500 words. You're going to say some stuff like you're thought about for a long time. Because our tongue is untamable. And again, I think James is saying, we got the animal kingdom taken care of, and yet we can't tame the thing that is in our mouth. It's no match for humans. Some of you are a little bit older. Remember back in 1990, they came out with the parental advisory labels because of two live crew, which don't go back and listen to that. It wasn't a very good album. But anyway, um, some of you, oh, I remember those days. Uh, flannel, flannel shirts and t-shirts, garments. Yeah. So anyway, so they put these, these, these labels on all of the albums like, hey, parental guidance, parental advisory. Don't, don't let your kids listen to that. If you do, you probably need to have a conversation with them. And, and I'm thinking James would probably be like, I think that's a great idea for the tongue. Like every single one of us just need one of those. When we get ready to throw that spark out, when we get ready to say something, like that thing just kind of pops up like, boom, right there. Parental advisory, don't say this. You're going to regret what you're getting ready to say. Because again, when we say 16,000 words a day, we are going to say so many things that we regret. And James, again, is reminding us of the power the tongue has to watch out for the tongue. And he says this in verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James is kind of like, hey, you guys got to show up to church and... uh, you're all encouraging, you're positive, and you're singing worship songs. You're like, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? You know, you kind of do that little thing. It's like, man, Jesus is great. and giving high fives. Then you walk out in your car. You're like, hey, I had that conversation with that guy who was making fun of my truck. That's what I told him. In this series, that's bleeping out curse words, right? But that's what we do. Like one moment we're praising Jesus. The next moment we're like cursing people. James is like, what are you doing? Say, like, I, I don't understand this. And again, re- remember here in James, he's writing to a specific group of people. He's writing to followers of Christ. He, he's writing to these Christians and he says, one moment you're acting like you're supposed to act and yet the next moment you're cursing people. The next moment you're yelling at people. The next moment you're gossiping at people. The next moment you're throwing these sparks out everywhere you can. He's like, this doesn't make sense at all. This is not the way that you're supposed to live your life. And I'm assuming James is pretty fed up with this. Again, my guess is this is happening within this church setting that he's leading, and he's, he's struggling as he's watching people make these decisions. And then he says this in verse 11. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Again, he explains this a little bit more. He says, hey, you got fresh water and you got salt water. They don't come from the same spring. Fresh water comes fresh water. Salt water comes from salt water. They're not coming from the same place. And so he's reminding them, hey, you can't be both a follower of Jesus and and, and say, hey, I love Jesus. And then the next moment, just let these words spew out of your mouth and start all these fires around you. It's like, this this isn't how this, this works. He's like, this is not how you live your life. And here's the best part of what James writes here. He doesn't give us any steps to take. He's like, I'm done. 
I've shared this with you. Here's the way you should kind of look at your life and the, the way you should watch what you say, but, but I don't have any steps for you. And I, I think part of that is going back to chapter one. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But I also think he's challenging people. Hey, think about your words. Think about the impact that they have. This is on, this is on you. This is on me to live my life in that way. So if James doesn't give us some nice next steps, are there next steps from what we have read here, especially over the past couple of weeks? I think there are probably three words that are, I hope, very easy to remember. The first one is remember. Um, Remember the power of our words. Remember the power our tongues wield. We, We think that weapons are powerful, Muscles are powerful. Money is powerful. Titles are powerful. The most powerful thing that we have is our tongue. Uh, It has taken down empires. It has destroyed careers. It has torn apart families. I, I mean, if we think about history, if we think about our own lives and people we know, the tongue has has totally destroyed so many relationships. It, has, it is more powerful than any weapon that, that's out there. Because those sparks have flown from someone's mouth and they've created this fire that, that burned and burned and burned. And so we have to remember the power of our tongues. We have to remember the power of our words. Now, there's the one piece, the negative piece there, right? I mean, we have to remember the negative impact we can have, but also remember the good that our words can bring the encouraging words that we can say, the positive things that we can say to others. There's so much power in that, but we have to remember the power our tongues wield, which leads us to the second word, and that's surrender. We have to surrender our words. Uh, This one can be difficult to us and for us because we like to control everything we say. We like to control the the world that we live in, the life that we live, and and so we don't want to surrender something to God and yet I believe for us to truly live out what James is trying to keep us from doing again being that spark in the fire I think we have to surrender our words to God in uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 Paul writes I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship Paul, when he writes these words here, he doesn't say, hey, um, offer just parts of your body or offer all of your body except that ugly piece of the tongue. Just leave that out on the side. He's like, no, your whole body, it's a living sacrifice to God. And, and so if that's true, our tongue is a part of our body. It is part of this living sacrifice that we have, that we're called to give to God, which means we sacrifice our, our tongue. We, we surrender our tongue to God and we allow God to lead us and what we say and how we express ourselves and, and, and sometimes the sparks that come out. We have to surrender all of that to God. I told you a little bit earlier how James chapter 3 verse 1 freaks me out, right? And, um, but I understand that I can stand up here on a Sunday morning. I can stand up on a day like today and I can say one thing and next week you show up and the elders are up here like, hey, we had to let Chad go because of what he said. It can happen. Or in a life group, or as I'm meeting with someone one-on-one, I know the potential for me to say evil things is pretty good. 
And I know the potential for you to say evil things is probably pretty good. Because that's who we are. We're humans. And, and with 16,000 words a day, we are going to say things that we regret. And the potential for evil and for hurt, it's pretty big. So we have to get to this place of surrendering our mouth to God. Which again, goes back to last week. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Remember the power of our words, surrender our words to God. And then the third piece here is confess. Um, we're going to say things we regret. You know what? When we do that, we need to confess that we did that. Now, now some of you are sinister in here, and you're like, I got this figured out. And so um, you'll say something negative, and then you apologize right afterwards. But you said the negative thing because you had to get it off your chest, right? And then you say, the, hey, I'm sorry because you want to feel better about yourself. But that word's still out there. This isn't how this works, okay? You don't say negative and then I'm sorry right after everything. This is something where you go to that person like, hey, I am sorry. I, I said these words to you and I am sure the impact was, was terrible. I apologize for that. I am sorry for saying those words. That's hard for some of us to do. But I truly believe when it comes to understanding the power of our words, we have to get to this place where we confess. We confess what we've said. We, we apologize. Again, not as some excuse, not as something we just do out of habit, because we truly mean it. We truly mean it. Uh, kids, which all of us are kids, honestly, in here. Um, so for all of us, uh, maybe today is the day, and, and your relationship with your mom is, man, it's jacked up. It's It's messy. Maybe is the day today is the day you have to call and say, hey, mom, I want to apologize for what I said to you two months ago. I said these words and I did it out of anger. I did it out of spite. Um, and I, I'm sorry. So maybe today on Mother's Day is the day that you apologize to your mom or your dad or, or some friend. I mean, you know, as children, we, we have to think about the impact that our words have. Parents, today may be the day you got to grab your kids and say, hey, yesterday dad lost his temper and I said this to you and I apologize for that I'm sorry I said those words and I'm gonna do everything I can not to do that again but but will you forgive me maybe it's time to confess as as a dad as a mom as a kid wives um I know us dudes we like to play like we got it all together like we're strong like, you can't say anything is going to hurt our feelings. Deep down inside, we're just little flower petals, okay? <laughs> we're soft. And when you say those things, we cry deep, deep down inside. We don't act like it hurts, but it does. And so we laugh at the sarcasm. We laugh at the dad jokes, which I get in my house all the time now. But anyway, um, you know, here's the deal. Wives. Maybe now today is the day to say, hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I said this to you yesterday or last week or two months ago. I want to apologize for that. And hey, I'm sure it hurt. And man, I'm sorry. I'm going to work on that. So why is maybe it's time for you to confess, especially down here in the front. So it sounds like you should <laughs> do that today. <laughs> We're going to take a moment for all the wives to confess. We got to get 20 minutes. We're good. But then on the other side of that, there's the dudes, the husbands in here. Um, you know, husbands, here's what kills me. Uh, as we read James, this was 2,000 years ago, right? And yet men, for, 
for many, many years, have gotten away with saying things to women that um, shouldn't be said. And gentlemen, we have, we've gotten this place, and if you're a follower of Jesus, this is, this is the struggle that, that I have. Um, we say things to our wife, we th- say things to our daughters, we say things to women we work with, and we've gotten away with it for, for many, many, many years. Culture has come in and said, you can't do that anymore. And you know what? Culture's basically taken what James has said here and said, even though it would never say this, hey, Bible kind of says this, you should live your life this way. And even Christian men were like, no, nah, I'm going to be who I am. And so, gentlemen, maybe the day is the day we take back our faith and we say, you know what? James is right. Culture is teaching us a lesson, but James is right. And maybe today, husbands, we got to go to our wives and say, hey, I'm so sorry. This is what I said to you. Will you forgive me? And maybe even it goes beyond that. Maybe you've got to go to your daughters and say the exact same thing. Maybe you've got to go to people or women at work, and you've got to apologize for that. Because we've allowed ourselves to get away with so much for so long. Hey, guess what? James says, you shouldn't be living your life that way anyway if you're a follower of Jesus. Confess. I mean, these words that James puts here should make us think about the words that come out of our mouth, no matter who we are. Because there's so much power in our big mouths. And you know what? We keep opening them and opening them and opening them and sparks. They keep flying out and they keep starting fires. And we wonder why life is this way. And we wonder why this relationship is turning out this way. I mean, this is who we have become. Like, what's going on? Well, it's this thing right here. It's our mouth. It's those eight muscles within our mouth that make up our tongue that's causing these fires. And James is like, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Which means for us today, if we're a follower of Christ, let's remember the power of our words. Let's surrender them to God. And again, maybe today is the day we begin to confess what we've said and let God lead us to this new place, to to this place where our mouths can truly be what God intended them for for, for them to be. And again, I'm going to say this as I finish up. I believe the tongue is not tameable. But we can subdue it. We can surrender it to God. And we can let God lead us forward and saying what we should truly say with the mouths that we have been given.